Hey, Ronnie here. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about the Creator Kitchen. Whether you enjoy this episode or the entirety of Marketing Under the Influence or not, if you have an idea or a voice inside you screaming to get let out, and you would benefit from the support of talented, creative people across a broad spectrum of fields, people who will push you creatively like never before, I encourage you to apply to the Creator Kitchen. I'll pop a link in the show notes, or you can go to creatorkitchen.com wherever you browse your favorite websites. As for Jay, Melanie, and my fellow chefs, thank you. Marketing on the Influence wouldn't be what it is today without you. And now, let's get on with the show. You're listening to Marketing Under the Influence with Ronnie Higgins. Yeah, so I grew up in a very small town in central Louisiana. I grew up out even on the outskirts of that town, so 15 minutes from the town on my grandpa's farm. So literally in the middle of a cow pasture is what I tell people where I lived. But yeah, I was definitely a country girl, outdoor girl. My dad and my grandpa were super into hunting and fishing and all the things. And so, yeah, I was constantly outside, barefoot in the grass, playing in muddy river water. My family was very close for most of my childhood because we all lived in the same town for they had all my my grandparents, my parents, my aunts and uncles. They had all grown up there. They'd all nobody had moved away. That's Krista Doyle. Krista is a content marketing manager at Jasper, but where she works and why she's a brilliant marketer, as you guessed it, don't matter. What you need to know is she was a country gal who lived in a small town with her entire extended family and that she was a little obsessed with this pop culture manufacturer we like to call Hollywood. So yeah, so I saw my all my grandparents, aunts and uncles and cousins like several times a week. We were all very close. So it was definitely like a cozy little childhood there for a while. I was always buried in a book, usually Goosebumps or whatever book was going to get me the enough points to get like a free pizza or whatever accelerated reading program. (laughs) Um, I really liked to read as a kid and uh, was obviously like very into pop culture, like from a super early age. So I was obsessed with anything on NBC, Friends, Will and Grace. Like I just loved anything like that. My parents were also really into pop culture. So I think that's where that came from. I think that's where my the first shadows of me being an introvert were more apparent because I was so content to just be in my room alone. Even though I like had a lot of really good friends and like loved hanging out with them, I definitely still really enjoyed being alone and just kind of making up my, you know, my own worlds. Hi, it's me. Oh my God. And then as a teenager, I was a little bit more, I was a little bit more extroverted in the sense that I 
wanted to be around people all the time. I've had the same friends since basically birth. So, you know, as teenagers, we were very comfortable with, e with each other and always doing whatever we could find to do in, in our small little town, which wasn't much. But yeah, I always wanted to be around people in high school and college. And I don't know, I think, I don't know if that was because I was actually more extroverted or if because I just, I don't know, that was just a really weird, hard time for me. Um, in terms of, you know, figuring out who I was and feeling comfortable in my own skin. And I think being around people all the time, I didn't really have to think about that stuff. I just could kind of be who I needed to be in that moment, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me. Being a teenager is a brutally awkward experience. It's like you're always on the outside of the world's greatest inside joke. That is until you're in the presence of your BFFs and all that confusion takes a backseat for a moment. For Krista, the comfort of her friend's company continued to shield her from whatever college life threw at her. After graduation, Krista packed her bags and headed west to fulfill her lifelong dream of working in Hollywood, even though she wasn't exactly sure what that meant. And it was there roughly 2,000 miles away from her comfort zone, that Krista was forced to address the internal conflict she had been avoiding since a teenager. I was living in Los Angeles. I had been there for maybe a year. I was still very new, had made some friends, but was still very much figuring out my place there and, you know, was very homesick and unsure of myself. Um, I was starting to encounter, you know, just different types of people than I'd grown up around and people who were still very like fun and accepting and just brought out different sides to me or made certain feelings a little more obvious and a little harder to ignore. And I had also started to come to the realization that I thought I was gay. I thought I was into women, um, which was a very hard thing for me to admit to myself because I, well, I was raised in a very religious family, uh, su super Southern Baptist. Um, my grandpa was a preacher, very involved in the church all the way through college, all the way through, I mean, at the time in Los Angeles, I was still going to church and was still very religious. And as you can imagine, Southern Baptist upbringing um, wasn't super friendly to the concept of homosexuality. Uh, I hadn't even really been around a ton of queer people growing up or in college. And so, yeah, it was like a super weird, hard thing for me to come to terms with or even question or admit to myself. Let's pause for a moment and orient ourselves. It was 2012 when Krista started to realize she fancied women. We're still a few years away from gay marriage being law of the land in the United States. But being gay wasn't that big of a deal then. Yes, there was a reckoning waiting for Krista back in Louisiana, but according to Pew Research at the time, nearly half of the country had already warmed up to the idea. Even 40% of boomers were cool with gay folks getting hitched at the time. And yes, Krista herself was very religious, but it was only a matter of time until she could figure out some way to, like, reconcile it, right? Well, as Krista continued to tell me her story, I began to realize 
there's a lot more to coming out than I assumed. As I had been kind of questioning, am I gay? Do I like women? I think a big thing that kept coming up for me was I don't I I don't want to feel like I can't be myself to be this other thing because I feel like being gay even a decade ago it felt like you were way more boxed in like you had to be either gay, straight or bisexual and if you were a lesbian you dressed a certain way and you acted a certain way and they're just it just there seem to be these expectations that I feel like don't even really exist today. But at the time, it, they did to to a degree, at least in the circles that I was in. And like all of none of those expectations, expectations felt like this is me and I would be able to be myself. Um, and so that scared me. Uh, I was questioning a lot and trying to figure out myself out. And um, one of the one of the girls that I had met who she was a lesbian and she was a very she was the sister of one of my good friends that I had met. She was very accepting and like would entertain my questions and my thoughts on the whole thing. And, you know, did I like girls and what was it like? And so she introduced me like to some movies like, hey, you should check you know, these movies out and just just for fun, just to like see some kind of representation of like what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And so one of the movies was a it was a British rom-com from, I think, the year 2005. And it's called Imagine Me and You. If you, like me, have never heard of or seen Imagine Me and You Let's pause for a spoiler-free synopsis. The story revolves around a woman named Rachel, played by Piper Parabo from Coyote Ugly, who's about to marry her long-term boyfriend. At the wedding, she meets Luce, played by Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. Two become fast friends, and Rachel immediately starts to realize her feelings for Luce aren't strictly platonic. The central conflict of the story is Rachel's struggle to reconcile her feelings for Luce with the societal expectations of being a lesbian and the impact that being gay would have on her relationships with her husband and other loved ones. With this in mind, it's easy to understand how Krista, whose primary concern with being gay was how it would shape her identity and affect her relationships, saw herself in the main character and plot of the movie. But this type of story, it was like a diamond in the rough compared to all the other LGBTQ plus stories at the time. Yeah, I think my headspace before I watched it was most other queer movies I had seen were all just so tragic and sad. So like all the stories were just ended in heartbreak and everybody was so tortured and it Things were just bleak in almost anything I'd watched that had actual queer representation. And so this movie was such a pleasant surprise because it was just like a fun little rom-com. It's just a very it's I would say it's on par in tone as, you know, anything else you might watch. You've got mail, sleepless in Seattle, any of those. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's as classic as those. But, you know, in terms of like the comedy or the the tone the tone of the movie um it, you can kind of expect something in, in that realm um 
but yeah, so that's that's the premise. And, and it was just such a pleasant surprise after kind of only seeing, you know, darker stories told um, that you could see these two very like average, normal women develop a connection and not necessarily have to change who they are, um, you know, maybe change their life circumstances a little bit, but they didn't have to change who they were at their core. And that and they were very much relatable, relatable to me um, and the type of relationship that I kind of saw myself having in my head. Um, And so, yeah, it just it just kind of made me feel good about making this change in my life now. Like I feel good and hopeful that I can admit to myself and allow myself to be openly queer or gay or whatever you want to call it um, without having to fundamentally change who I am. And I think that's the biggest mindset shift that it brought after watching it was like, okay, I can like breathe a little bit and I can like still get the things I want and I can be the person I want and I can also like be queer. Krista wasn't just hopeful after watching Imagine Me and You. She was outright determined to be her gay self. She almost immediately started coming out to those closest to her, both in Los Angeles and back home in Louisiana. She had her first girl kiss and her first girlfriend. Fast forward to today, Krista's married to her baby's mama, living in Austin, Texas, just a short drive away from the small town she grew up in all thanks to a rare piece of media that dared to represent homosexuality more authentically. But while Krista is grateful for stumbling upon that 2005 British rom-com and the progress that's been made in accepting the LGBTQ community since becoming a self-described chapstick lesbian, she notes there still aren't a lot of movies or any other form of media for that matter quite like Imagine Me and You. There is definitely way more representation. I mean, I think that there are tons of TV shows who now have queer characters as both leads and as supporting cast. But I will say, I don't think there's as many like, this is a good classic rom-com with two female leads who end up together. And it's, there's just, there's not a lot of that, but there's definitely way more representation. Just just in general, just having queer characters on TV, in movies. And I think I've especially noticed it in music because back then, you know, a decade ago, whatever, um, I never heard music by women about other women. Like, I never heard love songs, you know, same-sex, about same-sex romance. But now I hear that all the time. Like there's so many artists who are queer and so many men who are singing about men and women who are singing about women. And um, I think that's really cool. So yeah, there's definitely way more representation. I'm very glad that we're in a place where now like not every queer storyline has to be about uh, the torture of figuring out or coming out or, you know, anything like that. I I do think those stories are still valuable and probably needed. I do think selfishly, personally, I wish there were more of the good old fashioned queer rom-com, but we'll get there, I'm sure. 
As marketers, we often get caught up in demographics and firmographics, losing sight of the very essence of our target audience. Real human beings with emotions, identities, and unique stories. Krista's story is a helpful reminder that understanding and emphasizing with the lived experiences, desires, and aspirations of the people we're trying to reach is the only way to truly connect and resonate with them. So there you have it. Second edition of Marketing Under the Influence. I don't know about you, but I really hope Krista writes a good old fashioned queer rom com. Please, Krista. Thanks again for trusting me with your attention. It means a lot to me. If you enjoyed Krista's story, I hope you'll find a way to support this series and the LGBTQ community. I'll provide some links in the show notes for you. No matter what, Make sure to tune in next week and find out why one marketer believes the title of a book, not the story it tells, holds an important life lesson, one worth passing down from generation to generation. But if I never love somebody new like I do, I do you try and find out there's no room, it was all.